0: you out on your long run currently? Isn't the podcast a great way to help pass the time as you meander along all by yourself? But boy, isn't it lonely? You're so far from home and already pretty tired. Have you no friends that wanted to join you for your run? Of course not, you absolute loser. Why don't you just sit down on the curb, have a big cry and think about what you've become?
1: They're bad, they're boys, and occasionally they talk about
0: running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back, baby, come
2: back.
0: Admit I was a clone To be messing around But that doesn't
3: mean that You have to leave town Bye 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 hey. Hey. hey! We're back! So quickly back. as well Back to back Back to back
0: <laughs> Well, I mean, we, we're, we're assuming that most Although, strangely enough well, Welcome to the podcast, listeners uh, Welcome to Bad Boy Running We're assuming that you know who we are and you've listened to who we are already because you've just listened to part one of the lads interview. But weirdly enough, a lot of the interviews we've done in the past, the second episode has had more listens than the
3: first episode. (laughs) I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand. think about that, the only thing I could assume is that when you listen to the second interview, you're guaranteed to not have as much of us talking. (laughs) because you miss all of our intro normally (laughs) yeah that's clever straight to the silk cut (laughs) straight to the silk cut there yeah that would make
0: sense but if you haven't listened to part one we suggest you do because we have no idea at what point we're going to be cutting into the episode now because nick our lovely editor is taking care of that and we just don't have the skills or coordination or time to have um, really been briefed well on how he's going to edit Um, and also we love, uh, we love leaving things up in the air. A little bit of mystery.
3: <laughs> yeah. You know, to the last episode. Um, we either analysed uh, what happened in the last episode, after the last episode, or we spoiled the surprise for you for this episode. <laughs> but you just, again, we don't know. <laughs> and yeah, any, more, so- any, more, any more spoilers you want to talk about, just in case, in case, mm-hmm. they, in case they, we wanted to like, maintain any curiosity about what's going to be in this one? I mean, I can't believe he said he was going to shave his beard off, beard off for charity. That was that was surprising. That was yeah. really surprising.
0: Yeah, who knew? Who knew? But I mean, he he really really wanted to raise money for uh, Eddie Izzard, didn't
3: he? So <laughs> Eddie Izzard, yeah, the Eddie Izzard Foundation was uh, dear to his heart. He, never, he actually no he never denied that Eddie Izzard hasn't tried Barclays. Oh. I th- oh, that would be Do interesting.
0: Do we push Eddie yeah. down that route? Given that Eddie when he does his challenges, normally does about a 12-hour marathon. <laughs> Might be perfect for him.
3: 12-hour um, marathon, that is classic do-badder. <laughs> that is,
0: yeah, absolutely. But we're, um, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, we are a bunch of Brits who talk about ultra running all types of running obstacle racing general adventure and sometimes just go off on a tangent talk about netflix any netflix recommendations for example
3: Uh, yeah but we're not going to do it now we need to talk about fire documentary fire documentary oh wow next next episode we'll do we'll we'll talk about that and i've got i've got some good good book recommendations as well link to that or next episode next episode talk about next episode so enjoy the rest of the interview we'll be uh, discussing
0: a, li- a little bit more afterwards and uh, yeah. Thanks, lads.
3: I just, I just want to talk about some of your other races um, and, and just go through those as well and how they kind of fit into uh, um. in, into what, uh, Into your sort of like philosophy about you know uh, taking people to their limits and uh, showing runners you know developing this whole runner as it were um, uh, someone that can problem solve and everything. So how did how did how did the other races that you do how did how did they come about?
1: Well, they they pretty much all kind of fit in a slot in there. The the backyard is all about your competitive fire, your your desire to compete because. It's a very doable distance and a doable time. People, cry, when I started out, I actually had the idea that people would run till they could go no further and then they would quit. But they actually only quit when they no longer believe they can win. And you have to keep this seed. And it gets really exciting when you see the kind of fields we've had in recent years. Mm. This is not people that are quitters. Yeah. But every person has a breaking point. And you know anyone who thinks they that they haven't, they simply haven't tried anything hard enough yet because it's there.
3: Cuz the, the, the format of it cuz I read uh, that you said something like that it's it's not made for speed, it's made um, to to you know really show a runner what they're what they're what they're made of. So, do, do, were do inspired by something else? Where how did you actually come up with that specific format? <laughs> I,
1: I dreamed it when I was in high school. Oh, really? <laughs> wow! Thinking about the workouts and stuff we did and the races I ran, and I thought this was a race I could win because of my characteristics. Would be four miles every hour until nobody could do it i used to occasionally be used in track you would do the interval workouts the hard interval days and i don't know if y'all are track runners at the end of a hard interval day mm. you know i'd go sit in my car and try to build up the energy to depress the clutch so i could drive
2: home
1: <laughs> <laughs> and but they would make some of the better runners would have to race me at the end of a hard interval day like for a thousand yards or a half mile, some eyeball distance like that, because it, I I could just keep coming back. And uh, so it, it got into my head. I thought this would be the coolest race ever. And it just went along. I never really thought about it appealing to anyone else until we moved out here on the farm and I had room to build the trails, and I built the trails. And the first year, we had just an 11-hour run doing loops around the trails. And, and then it dawned on me, you know what I could do? You know what that would be perfect for this? is I could have that race four miles an hour. And then I realized <laughs> I had a little extra so it comes to 100 miles a day. And the first year, we had 45 people come. It was the only 45 that wanted to do it. And then the next year it filled up. And, and the, how
0: many, how far 36. did they get that first year?
1: The first year only went like 17 or 18 hours because that we discovered when we, we ran the trail the whole time. And when it got dark, the whole secret was finding your way on the trail. Mm. And you don't want that to be, you don't want any of those things to be a factor. You want it come mm. down. to surely a matter of I'm in the lead. Will I, will I quit in the lead when I still could physically go on? And uh, so that's when we switched to doing 12 hours on the road 12 hours on the trail so that it's always easy to make the lap in its own way.
0: Because <laughs> we, we had a suggestion from Jason, someone called Jason Hohen, about – whether you could potentially stagger the start so that no one really knows how many laps everyone else has done and so in theory and unless you're the person who started you could be two laps up two laps down on the person running next to you do you think that would um encourage people to run further or do you think it would encourage them to, to run less
1: Ah, it would encourage them to run less because the the great uncertainty is that you don't know at any given time when it'll end. Mm. You could have one more lap. You could have 60 more laps. You could go on. You know, you could be done an hour. You could be done this hour or you could be running still this time tomorrow. And that's. I, it's been interesting to watch the mindset people have to get, where they just they fade that out. They just run one four miles at a time.
3: Courtney, Courtney was Courtney was saying, wasn't it that the, mm. the the with the quality of the runners there, the beauty is that you have no idea from how they look or or their or their demeanor or anything <laughs> whether they're about to quit. Or, people that you mm. think are going so strong, all of a sudden just drop out, and you're like, what? I thought they were. You know, it, it's so hard to read.
1: You cannot show weakness because it's all competition. Mm-hmm. When you walk up to that line and as it gets down and there's four of you or three of you or two of you, if you look hurt, you're feeding them. You're giving them hope. So everyone's always out there. They feel great. I feel great. I feel the best I've felt since <laughs> the day I know what you mean. I feel the best I've ever felt in my life. It's The most, the most
3: positive race. The most positive ultra.
1: This, everything is going brilliant. Than any human has ever felt. On the face of the earth. In the history of earth.
0: You need to put a mole in there. Someone who's just really, really depressed. Like Jodie, for yeah. example. He's just down the be...
3: whole time with races. I'd do the reverse. I'd go into it looking completely depressed. I <laughs> I've got no hope, and I'd, I'd, I'd rely. I see, we'd do it like a reverse study and see whether that works. Uh,
0: I mean, are people playing a lot of mind games out there? Do you, do you notice it? Like, do you pick up on it? Can you tell when they're being honest when they're not? And are people using any tactics that you think? Wow, didn't see that coming.
1: You can't. You can't tell until in retrospect. It's when the guy comes in and he says, "I'm done." But wait, you you've been doing great. They say no. I've been dying for hours. <laughs>
3: <laughs> does a does, does a part of you just like celebrate inside? Yes. <laughs> Another one.
1: <laughs> it's just it's it is really fun to watch. And okay, are so you
3: staying awake the expected. whole time?
1: No, I. I have my routine. I sound the whistles a minute apart, count down, you know, give them the 30-second warning, then count down 10 seconds, ring the bell, and watch them off. And then I go, and I have a series of things that I check on or do. I go do my uh, hourly update because apparently people enjoy that, although when you're out there, you don't know if anyone's reading them or not. We were
0: watching it. We were supporting Courtney <laughs> through that. <laughs>
1: And then you go and you check the campfire, you check the food, you check this and that and the other. And by the time you get back around, you look at your watch and you say, OK, I have six minutes <laughs> before before I have to uh, sound the whistle. So I can afford to sleep four minutes and get out there and you set your <laughs> for four minutes and sit down. And after a day or a day and a half, you can you just sit down and boom. You're gone. The alarm rings in four minutes. I think I added it up this year. I ended up accumulating like 26 minutes of sleep during the race. <laughs> so he's in worse state then. And you... you say, "Oh, how long have I got to sleep?" Oh, fuck! <laughs> so, I just have you... to go right back out. What What you've done here? Because like you've created, like you've got a race
3: here. You got the Barkley Mathens, which is. Almost the antithesis of a spectator sport. It' like impossible as, mm. as a spectator. We probably saw more of it in a Netflix documentary than you would if you were stood there, stood there doing yeah.
1: it. Yeah, they? Take- they had almost no film on the course in the documentary. It's like Alfred Hitchcock. They did it with your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You
3: never see the monster. That's the thing. um uh, but then you've created one where, essentially, it is a spectator sport that you 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 have that ability to to actually see all of this this going on as well. What was uh, that? Uh,
1: the backyards have exploded? You know, they have them all over the world now. In well, like, there's one this
0: weekend, isn't there, in the Middle East?
1: Yeah, Dubai. And do yeah. you think
0: because? The, the heat out there could completely change the race because each lap will be dramatically different i mean they i i, I think winter's is not so bad but even so do, do you yeah, think this
1: it, is the cool time of year so uh, for people that are locally acclimated this is probably the best time of year to do it and
0: and do you but... think it will be be similar to the one in your backyard in how people approach it and how how it actually is to experience it? Or do you think the fact it's sand that it's not got really that the feel of being in someone's backyard and the culture of all the people (laughs) who've done it before, do you think that will change it quite a lot? I
1: think they all come out to be, because I've read like they've had some, had one in England for the last few years and reading about them in different places. It it kind of is going to come out to the same mentality. What has surprised me about it, in in Sweden, there's like 30 of those damn things. (laughs) (laughs) But they're they're usually popular as a participation event because you go as far as you can go. Mm. And that's true. We had a lot of people who ran it that weren't competitive here until we just got overwhelmed with the number of competitive runners we've got.
2: Mm.
1: And you go as far as you can go and you have like a husband and wife that are vastly different in their abilities, they run in the same race. They can run part of it and talk with each other. There's no on a certain lap. So all the runners can talk. If you saw the area at the finish, we on either side of the finish line, there's a row of chairs. Yeah. Because all your tents and your larger setups have to be away so that all the competitors have the opportunity to set up between loops one one or two steps from the starting corral, and they'll all they're all sitting there and they're all talking and doing stuff and and it's just this huge festive atmosphere and then you blow the whistles and ring the bell and everyone's gone and all those chairs are sitting there
0: empty. <laughs> you then see, then I then think
1: I'd set up a massage zone. <laughs> by one they all come back and the party picks up
0: so how, how far do you think people can get what, what do you think the maximum someone will one day be able to get to in this type of race
1: I think that you're going to hit the limit in the 80s in the, somewhere in 80 or 85 hours because from my own experience staying up just to see how long you can not sleep and function that around 85 hours I started, you know, hallucinating out of my mind where that I wouldn't be, was no longer functional to do anything.
0: Did you think they're going to outlast you one year?
1: <laughs> well, not because I can get in those two or three minutes of sleep and I'm not having to run. I don't hurt.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Cause what we, we had a couple after the Courtney interview, which was uh, probably out couple of weeks ago by the time this comes out, but um, one of the things you're wondering is whether for some people it might actually be easier for them to run 100 miles within 24 hours using this format than if they go out and have to try and pace themselves. It's going to force on them some restraint, which they probably wouldn't yeah. have. I mean, have, you, have you had people who have achieved their first 100 mile at your race having failed elsewhere?
1: I have people who matter of fact Babak Rascafard, who won a couple of years ago. That was the first time he ever broke 24 hours for hundred.
0: Wow. And he went on to but, win it. Huh? And he went on and, to win it.
1: Yeah, he had the winning the winning strategy. The winning strategy is not a secret. It's really easy. You keep stepping into that starting corral until you're the only one. That's, it all comes it all melts down to that. And you see different people who succeed. Some of the really fast runners, it's mentally difficult because they get out there and bury everyone. Mm. And then
2: it home
1: on that. And and mentally that's how they're built. And this having everyone is still with you after one hour. After four hours, after 10 hours, after two days, they're all still with you.
0: And do you think you could have a speed hiker winning this?
1: They, The one in England, either England or Ireland last year, was won by a guy who didn't run. Wow. Yeah.
0: I mean, if if I was against someone doing that, that would piss me off so so See the much. thing is,
3: I, I just keep thinking about how you how how that would affect you if you were doing it. because <laughs> I, just... I
0: normally do the mind games. I'm the person who's playing tricks on everyone else, who's thought it through, who's laying these little Easter eggs. We could
3: we but, should race each other because I could hike that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just don't know
1: because I don't know
0: who'd do what, who'd do better. It'd be fantastic.
1: You, you versus Lee. Lee. You versus Lee. There, there, there are some surprising people that that are just back middle of the pack runners. and and because that they're just not fast and out here in the backyard you you keep counting down you get down to the dirty dozen they're still there you get down (laughs) to the elite eight they're still there
0: yeah and and the good thing i think what i love about the format is it, it does actually change what it means to be a good athlete suited to this, because things like fat adaptation become potentially very important, and um, the ability to to even move as slowly as a natural pace is probably beneficial towards the end of it. But then also someone who's very aware of mindfulness that can. I remember Courtney was saying that she she just struggled to be able to tune out, so she couldn't sleep at all because she was just too wired and the ability to be able to quickly turn off that there must be some people out there who can sleep for four minutes each lap because you're certainly quick enough to be able to do that.
1: Johan comes in, he has his chair, he has a blanket spread across it and his bag of food and his bag of drinks. And he sits down and if he needs food or drinks, he gets it. If he doesn't, he sits down, flips that blanket across himself and boom, he's gone. And he sleeps until the whistles and then gets up and goes back.
0: And do some people sleep through the whistle? Like is is that has that happened where they've intended it to get up? Happens.
1: And it's it only happens if someone goes in a tent. If you're there in the chairs, it can't happen because someone will get will see you.
0: Oh, so the the fellow competitors will actually wake you
1: up. The last few, and the guy just, he ran, he came in, and he thought, I can sleep 10 minutes. He went his tent. No one knew where it was. There was only four that year at that time. And only three came out. And you're saying, oh, man, where's whatever his name was? He was probably
0: lost for 30 (laughs) hours as well.
1: (laughs) So they we we ring the bell and they all go off and it wasn't two or three minutes later he he comes to the starting line and he says, "I just missed it, didn't I?"
2: Oh, that'd be
1: killer. He was, he was heartbroken, man, because he thought he was going to win. Yeah. He's oh. well. He wouldn't have been there if he didn't still believe he could win.
2: Yeah.
0: And then um, so we've heard a rumor that one year during the road section there was a. A clown that was kind of set up just to scare the crap out of people. The question from Derek Tinin is, was that you who would put that there?
1: I don't know. These people, they, some of them say they saw a clown, but there's other people that didn't see a clown. <laughs> I think uh, they're maybe trying to freak out the other runners.
0: But that'd be great, just running around with someone, and as soon as they turn their back, you put on a face mask, and you carry on as if nothing's changed. You just keep on messing with their head, and I'm like, what are you on about? No, 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 no just normal. You, you're going crazy, man. Are you you're hallucinating? Just, yeah.
3: It's,
1: <laughs> things like that really could have an impact. But I haven't seen the clown. <laughs> so...
0: So it was Sandra.
1: <laughs> There's persistent rumors from year to year, but I, uh, and you just don't know with this crowd because that they're just not mentally right.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and actually, the, uh, we've been talking to, um, last week, James Paul was talking about hallucinating where he was in China and he hallucinated entire frozen lake with boats and docks where he was climbing over boats and it, it didn't exist. So, I mean, the power of the mind is ridiculous when it gets to that level of silence.
1: child's play.
0: Yeah, yeah. So move, moving on to um, kind of the last annual volume state. Now, when I heard about this race, I just thought you're just being the laziest race director possible with no support, no water, <laughs> no checkpoints. It's basically. I mean, do you even do you even turn up for the beginning of the start? <laughs>
1: That's a, uh, it is a grueling 14 day ordeal to put on that race. (laughs) uh, We, everyone parks their car. Uh, Matter of fact, I just sent off the letter to the lady at Castle Rock Ranch on top of Sand Mountain in Georgia at Castle Rock Ranch. They, They cut us out of parking lot. And all the runners park their cars there in that parking lot. And then we load them onto tour buses. We've got three, three full-size tour buses and two passenger vans. And we cart them all 500 kilometers across the state all the way to Missouri. And they, we have the last supper, and we hand out the stuff, and we load them up then, and then put them all in motels. And the next morning, we ferry them across the, the Mississippi River into Missouri. And when we light the cigarette, they run down and get on the ferry and ride back across to Kentucky, which we hit just a little dab of Kentucky at the start. And when they step off that ferry, they are stepping into hell and they're on their own. <laughs> it's a, basically a journey run, but it's a mass journey run. So there's a lot of people there. We cover the a lot of the logistics that you face as a journey runner. I don't know if you've done much journey running or any. That, that. Yeah, to figure out how to get to where you're going to start, how to get back from where you're going to finish. And, you know, the the run itself is the easy part. It's it's figuring out the other ends. So we have all that taken care of. They have a bailout and then a bailout. You need a bailout on a journey run because things can go horribly wrong. Mm. And uh, you can get hurt. or. So they have a bailout. They can call and someone will eventually come get them. But we've been doing it so long, it's all through rural Tennessee, through little bitty towns and countryside. And the people along the route have totally embraced the Vol The little cities have what they call welcome centers because they've never heard of an aid station. And they all have a canopy and chairs and maybe some shade to sleep in. Some of them actually open up a city building where the runners could go in and sleep in the air conditioning and have a shower or a toilet. People will go out and put, at the out, at the end of their yard, out by the road, there will just be a cooler. And they'll put a little sign on it that says Vol State Runners. And it will have might have food or drinks, stuff on ice in there. They treat the runners like conquering heroes. And it uh, they have... One, uh, like the convenience store in Hampton, which used to be, it comes at the end of a long, desolate stretch, and it's at the beginning of a long, desolate stretch. And if you pass through there in the night when it wasn't open, then that was your one chance to get something. Now the people that that run the store will get up at 3 in the morning and go over and open the store and cook stuff for vol-staters that are passing. Oh, wow. See, what I love about – oh, go ahead, lad. It's just – but that one is about persistence. It is extremely high. It's extremely difficult. You don't have much to rely on. As you get further along, the road angel stuff thins out because the field is thinned out. Mm. So you you, you still hit those little oases here and there. But there's long periods. It's going to hurt. You're going to be a lot of the, you know, there's going to be a number of the days that go over 100 degrees with real high humidity. But the time limit is soft. If you don't quit, you'll finish. Mm. And but people will, will hit the ultimate pits of despair. There are some really low lows guaranteed.
0: Well, I think the fact that people are so isolated because you're not, you know, a lot of races at the end of the night, you'll be camping with other people or there will be support crews. Or, and this is something where from the moment you start, you're not guaranteed to speak to a single other person until you finish, really.
1: We've had the funny, the funny sight is that you go along and you have people who think they'll say, well, I was all by myself for four days. Mm. Well, no, there was someone about four miles behind you and someone Mm. about three miles ahead of you. That whole four days, you never saw them, (laughs) but they were there.
0: Well, I mean, Rhonda Marie, who's, um, as, you, as you know, only, only has, I think, 8% vision, who, who completed it, she was saying that uh, one of the issues was not that she was by herself, but the fact that there were animals like coyotes <laughs> and various other dangerous uh, animals that, you know, as as a, you know, um, someone who's fully, full vision, I would be nervous about a pack of coyotes, but someone who can't necessarily see them or respond in the same way. I mean, it sounds frightening.
1: <laughs> I, you know, I've i never been afraid of coyotes. They, they come under a lot of stress with, from people with guns so that they're a real human shy. But during the transcon in Nebraska one morning about one o'clock in the morning, And all this pack of coyotes goes off just right in the field next to me. I couldn't see them because it was night and I couldn't see what was there, but I I could tell they were right there. So I walk along and I say, ah, you know, it's coyotes. I'm not afraid of coyotes because they're under a lot of pressure from people with guns. They're not going to mess with me. And I walk along and I'm shining my light because I did turn my light on. And I see a coyote cross the road in front of me. It's impossible not to picture in your mind that they're surrounding me. (laughs) And Mm. I'm in the middle of nowhere. There's not a person within...
0: (laughs) Are they pack animals then in general?
1: Yeah, they run in packs.
0: Oh, I think especially with Games of Thrones when you see the the wolves all hunting together. That would be my first assumption that they'd be acting like that. (laughs) So um, Um, what, what I love about the about the and um, the volume state is that for me at the moment in in ultra running there seems to be so much shift towards um results and people claiming themselves to be doing fantastic and that's caused more and more people who are cheating essentially and who are taking shortcuts It'd be incredibly easy to, to slightly break the rules and you know you you really don't do anything to try and stop that because of the nature of the people who are entering. They just wouldn't want to finish this without doing it properly.
1: Now, I would cheat yourself. I mean, there's, there's a handful of world-class runners. I think we got one that's going to make a run at the course record this year, which keeps inching down closer and closer to three days. Which is really fast, and there's <laughs> mm-hmm. the conditions and the and the terrain and everything else. Mm-hmm. But you know, a lot of them, by the time you finish, the winner has gone home, spent a week at work. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there, there isn't. They're they're in it. Our real theme, it's not really geared towards the uh, the elite runners. It's more, mm. we, we call it, it's ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And it's a chance for any person to do something that's just really incredible. Because no matter what time you finish that race in, it is not easy.
2: Mm.
1: It will... It will take you to the end. People, the emotions at the rock when people get to the finish are so great to see. And the the, the surprising one being that they get to the top of that last, it's, a, it's this huge mountain they have to climb at the end because how else would you want it to end? And they say, <laughs> they, just the and they, they start thinking, you know, inexplicably, there's a sadness because for the last seven, eight, nine days, this has been their life until they. the rest of the world. I said to me, in a, in a run like that, after a few days, you know that you have a family and a job. Mm. But it seems more like something you read about in a book yeah. than, than something that's real. Real is here. Real is thinking, what will I... What will I drink? What will I eat? Where will I sleep? Where will I take a shit? You know, you just, (laughs) your whole life is reduced to this handful of basic things. People have all this gear that they put in their pack when they start the first timers. And they get out and we tell them where the post offices are in the early part of the course because you can stop and put this stuff in a box and mail it home. Your gear will get home before you do. Because all of a sudden you realize that most of the stuff we have it is just an impediment if you have too much gear at an ultra mm. you have to spend all this time dealing with it you're you're in a journey run and you stop and you take your pack off and you have things you don't need you got to get them out pack them back get them out pack them back to get at the stuff you do need and you just... Or even carrying
0: a kilogram for 14 days is is a huge amount in, in energy and how much difference it would make to not have that kilogram.
1: And how much it weighs? Yeah, people get bitter about carrying anything. <laughs> I on a journey run. If I had, if I had an item that I never used, <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, you're determined to use it by the end if it's of it.
1: Something I didn't have it; was a failure. But I was more likely to have something I didn't use, and then I realized there was one qualification to that: rain gear.
2: Mm. I don't
1: care if it's for. Three days or four months. If I never use my rain gear and carry it the whole way, I'm not bitter. Yeah. <laughs> that,
2: yeah,
1: that, yeah. all good.
0: It's like a scorpion pump on the, uh, <laughs> the map of the sub. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: so, I mean, what a lot of people have been asking about your general view on the ultra running community and how it's changed and. Firstly, where you see your races going, but also, you know, where you see ultra running community, where where that's going and and what your views on that are.
1: I, it's just, it's changed a whole lot, but that is fundamentally the same. I think when I, when I started, you didn't see a lot of fancy gear Mm. and people were really pretty much geared towards training for everything. But I don't think it's because people never that it's not an inherent part of people that you sit down and say, well, you know, one extra hour a day or maybe I can buy this shoe or buy this pack or buy this water bottle that's going to or especially something I can eat or drink that's going to make me better.
2: Mm.
1: It always has an appeal. Um. Like I had said earlier, when I started, everyone was everyone was really good. I mean, if you were if you were only average, you could hang, you had to hang on at the very back. No one ran that kind of distance unless they were seriously good. Mm-hmm. And I think it, that it's got a lot to offer to everybody that that gets into it. But at the same time, I think you you. I like to get away from the love and puppy stuff to a certain extent. <laughs> Everybody's not a winner. Everybody didn't win. Everybody didn't do their best. Mm. Just because you made it to the end doesn't mean that you that you got something out of it. You get something out of working for it and trying hard and, and doing your best. I know that... Um, you know, people talk about uh, what's, you know, best performance you've ever seen. And you think immediately something like Tracy Falbo and her American record in the 48 hours at Alaska. That was most one of the most astonishing events. I mean, she went down to where the, she just collapsed at the end because everything was used up. But there's also Renee Holcomb, who did 10 hours at... Um, at uh, the Kentucky Derby, the run under the stars. She's never going to set any records, but she went 10 hours to the very end of her limit. I was there watching her the whole time. Everyone has the ability to have an outstanding performance. Mm. It's not going to be written about in books or published in the newspapers, but in your heart, you can know that you did everything you could do. And I just feel like that's something we need. Maybe it's, <laughs> it's definitely, yeah, not, no, a lot of people don't think that's a good idea at all.
0: So you, cause it's, that's the, the difficulty is how to measure that because it's very easy to say someone's time quicker, someone's distance is further. And, and I think people almost want an easy story to be able to tell the, their friends that don't really understand ultra running, like to easily be able to say, I did this race, I did that. But, um do do you think there should be more races that are harder to quantify and that just are there really to test the spirit until it's at its utmost breaking point i
1: I don't know up to the point where that there's there's a call for it like mm. uh, like I say things things are changing I've, the the goings on with the backyard really become such a popular participation event mm which is a good thing. Just doing that and, and going as far as you can go is great. And then have the and at the same time has that competitive aspect. And all the ultras are serving. You're always in any kind of athletics. You're solving, serving multiple clients of different natures. Mm-hmm. If you're a coach in high school, you have kids that are playing the highest level of ball they'll ever play. You have kids that are looking to prepare themselves to advance to the next level. There, you, if you don't serve both crowds, mm. if you don't serve them all and get equal satisfaction out of it. And, of course, the real truth is the guy that's going to advance, when, when he advances, you'll be part of his past and you'll be gone. The kids that will remember the lessons they learned their whole life are the ones playing the highest level they'll ever play. And people on the outside get that completely backwards. And the same way that you're directing a race and you have world-class athletes. And that's great. And there is a lot of pleasure in that and seeing the things that they can do and marveling at getting to see those performances. But the runners who are running the best race they'll ever run are doing the hardest thing they've ever tried. They're, they're the ones that are going to draw the most. So you have to serve everybody and and from different perspectives.
0: And have you seen quite a lot of transform- transformations then of people post-Barclays, post-Big's uh, Backyard?
1: Um, I think the most transformational race has been the Vol State. Mm. Because it is... I mean, you got housewives and college professors and students and truck drivers and just average everyday people there. They like to run. Obviously, they like to run a lot because they're going to do this thing. They want to do something that really takes them outside of their comfort. Mm. And they're presented out there with challenges like that you can't ordinarily get out of life where, you know, what, where am I going to next find water is the most important thing. <laughs> <in my life. laughs> and, um, and and that's why I say sitting there at the rock over all those dates and seeing them come in and how, I, you know, they come in with an attitude like I can do anything. Mm. It's broken down to the absolute limit. I, most of the race I despaired that there was any chance I could make it the only thing I didn't do was quit right at that moment. And, and I made it. And, 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 you know, they talk about it years later. That that was, a, that was an, an awakening of what their potential is, how much they can really endure.
0: Now, on, on the flip side of that, we, um, as a podcast, for a, quite a while, we were mildly obsessed with Rob Young and the whole situation <laughs> with his, his attempt across America and then the kind of unpicking of previous stories, previous claims. You were obviously famously there. Um, the person sent in to monitor him wants these accusations to be made. Um, what was that like?
1: It was really sad because I like Rob. He is a, uh, He's a really nice guy, very personable, very uh concerned over the welfare of others Mm. Um, and we had to arrange where we parked to make it too inconvenient for him to come over and and check to see if we needed anything because we didn't want him to mess up his effort you know the um just a second here i've got a dog in the kitchen big dog get out there (laughs) you know better than that
0: (laughs) he's going for that chicken (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I've it left it too
3: long <laughs> yeah,
1: but yeah the you run into people I, over the years, I've run into people that cheated ultras and and you know to me ultimately what you get is for yourself. when you see someone cheat to win or get a high place it it has a little different perspective than someone that just cuts the course and and then just finishes. Because there's, I mean, the, there there was never any recognition except knowing you did it, <laughs> and it seems like you've lost even that. But people who, the whole concept of cheating is complex. I don't. Oh well, I was worried when that that last night when because I I knew when we left that day we'd split it up into twelve hour shifts. And you basically, you you were at a mo- You got your food, you got your sleep, you went back, you did your shift, and then you, you went and got food and went and slept, and, and that's all you did. Yeah. And that time we went back, and I didn't go to bed because I had seen when we left. It said, it's at the end. Mm. It had already been for a couple of days that we would, we would sit there in the car when no one could hear us, and we would chant, pull the plug. Pull the play. <laughs> whoa Make make the suffering in because you yeah. just get, you hate to, he went through some days that oh my god the guy can definitely suffer
2: yeah
1: he is able to endure some extreme discomfort
0: and, and do you think he went into the attempts with the intention of making it easier at each step slightly or do you think he just off more than he can chew and then this was a reaction to, to the failure he was facing
1: you know I just don't know I, I realistically looking at it what he was doing was way beyond his capability or what he was going to try to do was way beyond his capability mm. but I don't know if he really understood that going in mm. and I have I, I have hypotheses in my mind for how it ended up with them doing what they did, and all three people participating. But I don't know. I don't know whether it's Rob or his handler has more to point the finger at. And I, I know I somebody did a. A show I saw the other night, is it a 3030 or something on ESPN about Rob, where they said that they thought he did it unbeknownst to the people inside the van.
0: I mean, how could
1: you? I I was there. There's no way he rode 60 or 70 miles at a time on that ladder and didn't fall off and die. And no one inside knew it. Yeah. That's just not possible.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, I, and and do you think the fact that now everything is so much more public, there's suddenly sponsorship contracts, there is um, you know people's careers a lot more wrapped up in fast-known times, first people to do something, do, do you think that is going to lead to more cheating in the future, or do you think it's just that they're, it's easier to it, find out?
1: It's technology to prove it, as long as they make people use the technology to prove it, now I didn't take any technology on my transcon because I was setting no records, seeking no publicity. Mm. It was a, it was a personal thing. If I was gonna do one to to make some kind of a mark, the technology is too good to to not take it. If you mm. can't if you can't um, provide the the proof, then. It shouldn't be considered. Now, whether the media and the potential sponsors and stuff will hold to that standard, who knows? It's really hard for a lot of people to look at somebody like Rob. He's a nice guy. Mm, I mean, he's a guy I like. I would not have a problem with having him come stay at my home and I'd leave and come back and not be worried about what he might have done while I was gone. What led to this in in the, the whole thing with his running? I just don't know.
0: Yeah, and I think with the, the media at the moment, especially with, uh, you know, most people getting their news from Facebook, Instagram, the reality is that you need to, for, for the sake of um, speed, reduce people down to one thing and it, people aren't good or bad they're a mix you know people aren't just cheats and truthful a mix. but sadly in the media at the moment you do get um, you do get labeled as one thing and for simplicity that then becomes what you are in everything you do
1: by and large the fraud runners I've known over the years and I've been around long enough to have seen a number of them because the sport is so weakly administered that it lends itself to that mm. Have not been people that I genuinely like. They've been very personable and likable. But if you're a con man, that's your stock in trade. <laughs> people are always amazing. Yeah, how could you cheat me? He was so nice. God, yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> it's we how we roll.
3: That's our, that's our, <laughs> that's our MO. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm going to act like a dick and talk you out of your money. No, it doesn't work that way.
0: Yeah. Well, you you, you touched on your your transcontinental uh, walk, which you did uh, last year. What was your your motivation for that?
1: That's the hardest question because I don't even understand it. Why would anyone not want to do it? I mean, how could you, from the time you're aware of the continent being there, not think. Oh wow! I'd like to go all the way across. It would be so cool. One ocean to the other ocean. Well, I think you people just do. are so lucky. From it- ocean to ocean is nothing in England.
3: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, done it. Done it. We do it all the time. It's very easy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think most people would would love the idea of traveling, but it's the fact that you you decided to do it on foot. that I think is the the admirable thing but also for most people the, uh, the thing they want to do least
1: It was it was hard there was some there was discomfort involved. I had uh, a stress fracture on my hip with about 500 miles to go <laughs> and that was that was relatively unpleasant but it wasn't that hard to deal with because that there was lots of discomforts had built up by then. And it was just one more thing that you, you're you just trying to keep everything patched together so it'll hold out till you get to the finish.
0: And have you... Following on from that, are you now thinking that you quite fancy a north to south for you? Is this something you think you'll try and do more of?
1: Um, I'm not going to do one this summer because I'm still... I, I did... Um, four miles the last three days and that's kind of, I've built up to that.
2: Mm. When
1: it was over, I was so physically wrecked. I, I couldn't believe. My other shorter journey runs, it's like you get stronger and stronger from being out there all day every day and, mm. and then at the end you feel like, I could go on forever! No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff just starts to break down after a while. You just... I know the first morning I got ready to go and I got up and put on my stuff and and then put a little Vaseline on my feet, put on my socks and shoes, and I was ready. And the last morning I got up and it's like 45 minutes of working on my feet to get them them and everything else, getting it ready to go. But I had zero blisters in 3,300 miles wow
2: oh
0: yeah. you need to market some kind of ointment <laughs> yeah Lazrob. Yes. Lazrob.
3: there we go that's yeah. it There's the product care. for you
1: <laughs> the, the single thing i spent the most time on outside of the actual line itself was foot care i didn't think i was tough enough to go for four months on blistered up chewed up feet and mm. i know how to take care of my feet Obviously. So I I attended to them every morning before I went out. My feet were ready for the day. And then there were so many days of rain. When it rained and they were wet all day, it was really hard because that's yeah. tough in the yeah. skin. So I, sometimes I had to do, treat them at night to get them, you know, help them get over the day's abuse and, so that I could tape them up the next morning and go again.
0: Did you, did you stop in for any pedicures?
1: No. <laughs> My toenails <laughs> quit growing. My toenails and fingernails almost completely stopped growing. Wow. Do you I think that think was just that a was,
0: slight rubbing, kind of wearing away? It was actually counteracting the grace?
1: No, they just didn't grow. My fingernails weren't rubbing on anything. and they, I normally have to cut them every week because they grow so fast and they're so thick. And after the first couple of weeks, I stopped having to cut my fingernails. I would go five, six weeks and they would just be the same.
0: You better be careful because you might suddenly have a Wolverine moment where they spring <laughs> yeah. out and catch up in one hour.
1: <laughs> Since I've got home, my toenails have grown faster after after the initial few weeks. Now I've been having to cut my toenails more frequently than normal.
0: That's fascinating. You so
1: much extra circulation in my feet than what there used to be.
0: Yeah. Well, we've um, we've got a few quick fire questions if that's all right from uh, from people who've. In the face. I know we, I'm aware we've taken a lot of your time, but
1: um, it's because we've been so excited about everything you've got to say. but: um, <laughs> you realize that I'm just an old hillbilly who lives in the woods?: Yeah, we love that. See we love behind that. me. See what's out the window? It's the woods.:
0: <laughs> Oh, fantastic. I'm a city boy, I'm afraid, um, but I used to live in West Virginia for a short time, so I do understand a little bit about hillybilly and all of that.
1: <laughs> every, um, from every my, door of the house to a trailhead is ten feet.
2: Sorry, because saying, huh? that's
1: that's what you're required to have space around your house. From any door in my house, you walk out the door. It's ten feet to a trailhead.
0: Wow, that's
1: fantastic.
0: <laughs> well, um, yeah, I think my nearest trail is about twelve miles. So, <laughs> twelve miles,
2: yeah. I was going to
0: so um just just going into some of the questions you've had online uh, firstly why why the name Lazarus Lake
1: um, I don't know people just started calling me that probably wow. probably because when I got my first personal email, you know email came along, and you had one at work, and it was your name and your job title or your job title or your name and then it came where that you were commun- There was enough emailing going on that you wanted to communicate with people personally, so you get a personal email and mm. and I got on Hotmail and I'm filling the thing out. I get to my name, I type my name in, and I thought, wait a minute, this is the fucking internet. It just goes. I don't know where it goes. It goes out into space. Anyone could, <laughs> anyone could be pulling that out of the air. So. So I shouldn't put my name on there. I should put a different name on there. And that way, if people are getting an email from me that know me, they'll know it's from me. And if people get are, are snatching that email that don't know me, they won't know who it's from. So I just put Lazarus Lake.
0: So if things are slightly different, we could have been talking
3: to Big Boy 92 right <laughs> Yeah, I so say Sexy Boy 69 I just, or something.
1: <laughs> never thought than that at all until there came a day. Of course, you email more and more and more and send out emails all the time. And then I go to, I think it was actually at the Barclay, and I realized people are calling me last. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they actually think that's my name. <laughs>
0: So uh, the next question we've had from many, many uh, uh, listeners actually but a few uh, Williams in particular what races have you thought of the idea for but haven't put into practice and, and are there any that you're going to be doing in the near future?
1: I cannot add any more races to the array of races I have now it's, uh, it's like full time work all the time, all year round but I just I have lots of strange things in my head and it's usually better for the world if I keep them closed up but they <laughs> have a tendency to slip out.
0: I think you should at least write them down and hand them to your protége in a sealed envelope just <laughs> so at some point you know if 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 uh, we suddenly have the time or the resources or the world needs saving with, with new races, we can open up. Emergency. And find out open, open
3: the envelope only in emergencies. That's yeah,
0: it. yeah. Um, so, um, question from Ann Holmes. Have you ever considered giving up smoking? And if so, how would you start the race?
1: Well, I'm not a quitter. <laughs> I, I start things, I finish them. <laughs> What brand? What, not, what brand of cigarette is it that you smoke? Uh,
3: camel filters. Camel filters. That seems like it would be a runner's a runner cigarette. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I would not have made the trans kind without cigarettes and Dr Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> those, those were the. You go for a very.
3: A very unusual sponsorship deal with that one. But one one that's very in line with what we kind of look for.
1: In America, they won't let the cigarette sponsor you. Probably the Coke company, the soda company could. But what I did is I would ordinarily smoke a camel every four hours. But if I was hurting, I would smoke a camel every two hours. So I wouldn't stop because I had to get to my next cigarette. And then when things got really, really bad, I would smoke one every hour.
3: <laughs> so when they look at you, they're like, oh, he's on one every 20 minutes. Things are, things are really bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. Once in one hour is just almost continuous. At the end of every day, if I had a good day, then I would celebrate with an ice cold Dr. Pepper. And then, if I got to the end of the day and I had not had a good day, I would console myself with an ice cold Dr. Pepper.
2: <laughs>
1: and basically, what I thought about for four months was when I'm having my next cigarette, and is that Dr. Pepper got plenty of ice in the cooler? <laughs> <laughs>
0: so um, we've had quite a few questions
1: ask okay, my crew two hours before the end of the day i would say be sure and take one of the dr peppers and put it under all the ice <laughs> <laughs> make sure it's really really cold because
3: <laughs> we we're not that big on, on dr pepper over here not really no not it, really relatively like, new
0: what you say yeah well i mean the advert over here was was even um dr pepper so misunderstood because people were so hesitant to to try it that they almost had to trick you into thinking <laughs> it was it was cool to to give it a go even though your instincts tell you not to
3: <laughs> that's, how, that's how taco bell markets itself in the uk as well It like taco bell is like taco bell why not <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so are there any races out there that you wish
0: you'd have run or that you wish you'd have put on yourself?
1: Um, <laughs> most of the races that I actually run, no, ran no longer exist. It, uh, my uh, mother made me a quilt of uh, <laughs> race shirts. Oh, really? Christmas one year. And I get this quilt, and it's got all the old T-shirts with the races on. And I think, this is so cool. Lots of people have done this. And I look, and I said, oh, but, you know, this race no longer exists. And this race no longer exists. I I said, you know, most of the races on here I don't think any even exist anymore. And then I went through them one by one by one. None of the races on that quilt. Are still helped oh. does
0: that mean you're defending champion for some of this
1: <laughs> Well, if I had won
0: them <laughs> <laughs> so what, I know in the past you've said that um, in fact I don't know this but people have said in their questions that you've said in the past that you don't think a woman would finish Barclays is that right and, and if so no. do you, do
1: you I, think- I'm excited about this woman who won the um not the sting, the spine.
0: Oh, yeah. The spine, yeah. Jasmine Paris.
1: Because, I, I, matter of fact, I was so excited, I went back and looked through all the applications that had been sent in for the Barkley, because I have a list of all those thousand or so names. Yeah. And there was another Jasmine, but it wasn't her. Yeah, but, I mean, uh,
0: she's, she, she would be I very she, suited to it.
1: Maybe she could do it. It would be. But I don't think it'll happen because of math. Math is not in women's favor.
0: Oh, you're going to get some responses for that. You know, you, you <laughs> no, that my fiancé is, oh, you don't mean them being good at math, but you mean in their physical the
1: speech. The math itself, if you look at all the women's world records and all the men's world records. Yeah there's about a 10% gap between them. And, I mean, it just goes across all the distances. Mm. And if you take the finishing times of, of the men in the Barkley, those, those 15 guys, and add 10% to them, they're all over 60.
0: Yeah, but I think if you, if you look at someone like John Kelly, fantastic athlete, but there are certainly women who are 10% faster than him. And um, I mean, I don't know if Jasmine is or not, but you take someone like Camille Heron, her pace, or you take someone like Nikki Spinks, who is the queen of doing, you know, over 48 hour mountain races, not even races, mountain challenges, where the terrain is horrific, self-supported a lot of the time. I think they're out there.
1: Will, we, uh, you know. If women have good credentials, elite credentials that indicate that they have a chance, I'm sure as hell going to try to get them in.
0: Oh, this is going to be good. I can't wait. Well, um, you've heard it, Jasmine. What am I pretending? Jasmine doesn't listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) But she has has said that she's going to – media around her is a bit crazy at the moment, but she's, she's going to be on the podcast in the next few months so um i might tip
3: her off for next year that um, yeah. yeah you'll need <laughs> childcare facilities of course that's the that's the additional <laughs> element to it but um
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Childcare facilities. yeah just a crash or something like that it'll be that'll be fine
1: <laughs> if they maybe we could let them run with the pigs
0: <laughs> i mean what what is actually quite interesting about what you said um you know with the that 10% uh, while there are there are certainly faster women than uh, than the finishes of barclays uh, almost you need to have someone who isn't the very fastest because as you're saying it's, they're going to be the person with the number one
3: t-shirt on yeah you like need someone camille, who, camille i think wouldn't be the right type of person for for that yeah. type of race
1: uh, would it camille, camille would be a real contender to get the number one we'd let her in <laughs>
3: Oh
1: she do mean, it as well. Yes, yeah. yeah. love she's so talented. What was exciting about You almost this? need to have Oh go ahead go ahead love? Oh y'all sometimes y'all break up and I don't hear what you're saying or even know if you're currently talking. The spine lady, the exciting thing was that it seems like she would have a lot of the different the different things. You have, you know, whether you like it or not, probably a smaller proportion of the women who don't have issues with route finding. Mm. more, more, more of the women that would have potential. They just say, "Ah, yeah, I would never find the route." Well, whether that's inherent or not, I don't know. But when someone starts out from the standpoint that I get lost on the way to the mailbox, mm. they're, yeah, they're they're not gonna. You really need more someone that says oh, my map skills are not what they should be, but I bet I could brush up on
0: it. Yeah, I guess the challenge is that with with male runners, the, if you take say 10% off the very fastest ultra runners, male ultra runners in the world, you're still having people who are quick enough to get around the Barkley, but because they're and not that top 10%, they've got that different entity, and um, you know, they they will approach it differently. And it's whether if you take that 10% off your Courtney's, your couples, whether the people who are left are, and have the right mentality to then be able to c- combine the two at the Barclay.
1: But when a woman finishes it, I, <coughs> it's not going to be a woman who finishes it to prove a woman could do it. She'll be just like everyone else that finishes. She'll prove it to prove that she can do it. Yeah, because you you need to be in. Sometimes you need to be in things for yourself. Athletics at the highest level requires an amount of a certain amount of ego.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I think I think actually most of the women who are at the very top of their game they have a female agenda thrusted upon them when they're not necessarily going out
1: <laughs> running...
0: to say, yeah absolutely and, and i think some of them certainly are trying to you know wave the flag some of them aren't but yeah it's it, the, the story behind them awfully often, often, often isn't there in their own telling should we say um i'm just having a quick chat any other questions from your side Jodie?
3: no no I, the ones that um I, uh, we're thinking about, we've answered, um, within the rest of it. And
0: just from the, from the podcast as a whole, lads, you'll probably be excited to know, well, maybe not excited. There's a bank in the UK called Barclays Bank. And we've designed, we've designed a Barclays marathon where you have to run. <coughs> not me, not I've Barclays designed this. Bank.
3: This is, this is my genius. This is my genius <laughs> <laughs> at work. <laughs> this is my ability, my <laughs> ability to I'm say that I've done you. the Barclays marathon. But this, yeah. Thank you, I've only, I've only said half the story.
1: And it's not Dr. Pepper. <laughs> drinking Moxie.
0: <laughs> I don't even know what Moxie is. I thought that was a type of drug.
1: <laughs> oh, Moxie soda! You can only get it in Maine.
0: <laughs> and what's but, the flavor?
1: Um, you know, it tastes like Moxie and not like anything else <laughs> well, I really
0: like it we're going to send you a we're going to send you a bad boy running top so maybe as a thank you you can send us a, a crate of moxie or of moxie yeah. um,
1: I receive from a mysterious benefactor about once a year I get a couple of six packs of moxie is shipped to the house don't know who sends it <laughs> <laughs> it comes to be but I set them aside <laughs> and I, like... I treasure them and, and and make them last and drink them one by one
0: <laughs> <laughs> well Lars, uh, La- Lars thank you so much for, and um, don't
1: share them at all <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, if, if that benefactor is listening, we'll um get in touch and we'll give you our address. You can send some over to us so we can share in the experience. <laughs> but, um, lads, thank you so much for taking so much time out to um to talk to us tonight. It's been fantastic, and the there's just so much exciting about your your events. So, you know, thank you for coming on the podcast, but also thank you for coming up with such creative events. And I just hope you come up with even more because each one that I hear, everyone I read about, just you don't want
3: to do them? it makes you don't it, want to... it has that thing of going do we want to do them that like most races you hear about and you'll go oh yeah definitely want to do that definitely want to do that definitely want that." and then we go to barclay and people are just like oh i don't know oh i do mm. it's like you do but yeah i
0: definitely like to do the, the barclay junior I, I wouldn't mind the but the uh the backyard um, the
1: backyard is a great time. The, but the Barclay, the thing about the Barclay is afterwards you go to any race and you get out there where the, everyone is saying, this is total hell. This is unnecessary bullshit. <laughs> and you, you'll say, I don't know, it seems reasonable to me.
0: <laughs> I'm just limbering up.
1: This no, is
3: my stretching. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the issue with Barclays, though, is it seems to grip people, doesn't it? There is like some people go and they'll do you know, they'll fail miserably and they're happy with that. They're happy with what they've seen and what they've got out of it, and they know they've pushed it. And then other people, it grips them, and you know, like they do it like three years, four years, right? And so it's it's just deciding on that. It really does. It I think it's coming up with that whole idea is this is where you will test the limits of of what you're capable of, which I think is the, re- just the really exciting, because I think there's so few mm. races, like as you, as you go through, you know, as you go through like doing ultras and the more experience, coming, you, it opens up more races you could do and, and then distances is the issue, you know, and things like that. And you see yourself doing them, but we're, st-
0: but every, like, every race has a training plan.
3: Yeah, isn't
0: It absolutely. doesn't matter which race you go to, there's a training plan somewhere. And that, that's why the I, I don't go into a race unless I'm fully prepared, unless I've trained to perfection to absolutely have my most perfect performance. And I just don't think I could do that with Barkley or could sacrifice my life to the extent <laughs> I'd need to, to even stand a chance of getting anywhere close to
3: what i want to do. It's just too much. I, I like, I like the idea that no preparation is better. I think that's <laughs> something that appeals to me. That appeals to me massively. You you take that into every race day. You just assume. Well, maybe this time I'll find out that that is the right. The right is a, this is a perfect race day. I didn't realise. I, I I think the idea might be because I um, in one of the episodes we talked about me doing bright marathon with forty five minutes. I think doing Barkley with thirty six hours notice. I think it would also be a, a, a great idea as well. Yeah. Yeah. We're just going to sort um, the flights
0: out, which will probably be like forty eight hour flights. But, um, <laughs> Well, thank you so much, uh, lads, for coming on. If if you ever need anything from our community, if you're ever considering putting on any races that you need help with in the UK in Europe, any way in which we can repay the thanks, um, if there's any weird drink that we have that you'd like us <laughs> to send you... That you can't explain the flavour of, and you've you've never thought you'd want. We'll send it out. So um, thank you so much. And if people want to kind of get in touch, if they want to follow this year's race, if they want to uh, you know hear from you in the future, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: To get in touch with me,
0: or just to you know what if if, if 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 do you have a blog or anything where you you put your your public persona out there, or is there is there anything that we can help you with by promoting a particular website?
1: Oh, I don't know. I write I write stories on a Lazarus Lake Facebook page. I don't use it for anything personal. I just write stories in it because there's all this stuff in my head. I have to get it out. (laughs) uh, I have six books on Amazon. If you like the stuff you read that I write, five of them are about dogs and one's about basketball.
0: And is that under Lazarus Lake as well?
1: under Lazarus Lake
0: Perfect uh, well um what you should do you should lots uh, of people love my books well you could uh, you can
3: you can buy them to put out in the course and that way you, what you, Make what your money you both do, ends. What you need to do is say you have to read all of the books in order to understand how to enter. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're all these sales. I should,
1: uh, it, I should have put it inside the books in a code, shouldn't I? Absolutely. And that what? would have been you know, a smart thing to do. You don't have
3: to. Just say you have. That'll be enough. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, thank you so much,
0: Lars. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Lars. It's, it's been amazing. fantastic. And um, as I said, if there's anything we can do to help in the future, please let us know.
1: I well after y'all give it a push and I sell thousands of those books I'll be able to Cuz what I've got over here Dr Thunder it's actually not Dr Pepper it's a knockoff <laughs> It's a knockoff of knock-off. Dr
3: Pepper
0: A <laughs> Dr Pepper aware of this knockoff or is this homemade <laughs> <laughs>
1: My goal in life, when I'm rich, is I'm going to drink name brand soda.
0: <laughs> so does that mean this this Moxin is actually Molson or something like that?
1: No, no, this is real Moxie.
3: <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing.
1: Well,
0: um, well, thank you so much, lad. Uh, if if, um, if anyone wants to donate some Dr Pepper, some genuine stuff, <laughs> get on, get in touch with him through his Facebook page. And uh, good luck with Barclays, um, and good luck with helping Jasmine. Hopefully, finish it next year.
1: If she gets in touch with me and wants to know how to enter, I would let the secret slip because <laughs> we need to put this woman's stuff to bed.
0: Yeah, it would be good. <laughs> Definitely.
1: It's Cheers, lads. We'll, um, to do it. All the best. Oh. Have a good one. I don't know how to turn this off. <laughs> <laughs> I Turn this off that, uh, you, that I own.
3: Uh, if you can't turn it off, that's it. We're stuck on this forever. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. We'll, we'll, we'll
0: email. We'll email some details. And um, honestly, if you, if you let us know your, your address, we'd love to send you out one of our tops and uh, you know a few goodies and things as like a thank you.
1: All right. All right. My address is easy enough. I will send it back to you on an email
0: legend thanks lads thanks so much have a good day cheers
1: you too
3: oh that Uh, that was it was it was better than i hoped far far it exceeded expectations and i had very very high expectations i imagine you did as well
0: yeah yeah completely because um Although I, I watched the documentary since we've recorded this again, not a different documentary because I'd forgotten how eloquent he was and just how he's, he's just a very clever person, isn't he? He's also very passionate and it's weird. The, the, the media almost want to portray Barclays and him as this...
3: Mad, madcap, doesn't it? And it's yeah. like this hard, like this weird sadistic thing. And that sadistic thing is... is it kind of does come across a little bit but it's not quite in the same way of like mad evil genius that that, that narrative that, that they try to try to pursue because he's it's, it's not like that at all
0: yeah and i think especially like sadism is is pain for the sake of pain really isn't it or for, for pleasure whereas this clearly isn't that he's clearly thought about how can we create something that really pushes people to the fullest for actually positive reasons
3: And the thing is, the thing about it is it's unlike so many other races where they're where a lot of them are obsessed about, you know, um, uh, times. And that's why. And he has that wonderful thing of getting people back who he who are still like tussling with that as to whether they can do it and you know and supports them in that and and that is just so unusual it's almost like he just doesn't care really what the outside world thinks at all actually this is just between me and my group this group of runners who i know are, are grappling with the difficulty of this and i it's their personal challenge and i'm i'm there to support them on on helping them find their limits it's it's so completely different from how so many other races work, um, how so many other races. And I think that's why it has that special place. You you don't quite get your finger on um, until you hear Laz talk about it in that way.
0: Yeah. And and there was a worry, I think, when Barclays blew up, that this would fundamentally change Barclays and it could potentially change Laz and all of that. But actually, the great thing is it can't really change it because... As he said, they can only fit forty runners on the course. There's only so much space for people to put their tents up in the middle of this forest. So unless they suddenly decide
2: to
3: clear the forest, yeah. they're not and going it, to. It can't. It can't get more media coverage because it's uncoverable as it is. <laughs> yeah, the Netflix. Doc, like I said, there's barely any footage of it for anything. So it, it, it's it's almost like the per, it's the race that will never. I mean, I imagine it gets massively oversubscribed, but you, you know, he, he, he's obviously dealing with that by just making it a little bit harder to get in Um, yeah and i'd I'd imagine as well
0: with the numbers of people applying there's probably not that many he gets through the the filters but also he i imagine will have 30 40 50 60 percent on that list that he already knows he he wants to be there he knows them he either has heard about them as I like, actually I'd like to see how they do or is someone returning or some of a reputation or someone who's a friend of a friend. And, and so there is this obviously very convoluted process, which in many ways is, is probably pointless for most people applying because why, why are you going to get in when it's so limited and he already knows you know, hundreds of people who it's, it's clear that it's such a, a personal achievement that he's, he's after and, He's gonna want that for people he knows.
3: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I quite like it. I quite like it. It's, it's almost it's like it's exclusive, but not being like that wanky exclusiveness. Mm. It's exclusive for just the right reasons.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it, absolutely. And then it would be easy for him to try and. Well, he, he could charge ten dollars instead of. <laughs>
3: <laughs> whoa that sort of
0: increase is insane yeah and it's, it's quite rare actually to see i can't think of many events where it's truly capped and as it's increased it hasn't had a knock-on effect somewhere along the line i mean the london marathon, I
3: think... london marathon has got to be a perfect example of how the, that price should be much much higher than it is
0: yeah that's true actually yeah i mean london's what 60 quid
3: so it's 60 quid now
0: I mean I don't know because I've partly cause I get it as a pacer so I haven't paid for, for uh, years but um, I think good for age is still not good for a championship start is still 30 something pounds because that's the UK championships it's essentially you're signing up for a yeah. race where you're representing your club in the England championships the UK championships rather than signing up for a marathon because you you know it's a an experience um as such yeah that's true actually they haven't upped their price um i mean they've they've commercialized in many other ways but actually they're very conscious of not trying to get too many people on the course because it it will kill the race you know you can't you don't really want to have a marathon where people can't achieve pbs or can't actually run because of bottlenecks and so you know they've they've done a lot to, to change that partly because they also want to have a fast race so that
3: people can potentially break the world record but um, yeah, but I, think, but yeah. I, but I think i think there must be i mean we don't see as we don't see this in the uk as much because ultras are, are, are relatively new apart from you know those the, like the more historical ones of like london mm-hmm. to brighton and, and and ones like that that have, that have been going for not even that long actually but still mm-hmm. quite but there's some of these races some of the races some of the ultras in the in the us and everything um you know it's like you're just kind of for us it's just like you're uncovering them for the first time They're, you know the kind of things that Laz was talking about that he he was he was doing well before you know even mass participation running was a was a thing uh it's kind of insane yeah and and if you look
0: on people's instagram accounts what's quite funny is it's i find it quite odd because what well, i guess instagram does make you one-dimensional and you, you like i'm a runner and that's all i do or i like food and that's all i do or people feel that they've actually got to almost commit to one thing as their <laughs> yeah. but, but the number of people on there who put their 5k 10k half marathon marathon times or how many they've run and uh laz's view that he was he was almost stopped running because his 119 and a half was was just embarrassingly slow at the back <laughs> whereas i'm sure if you went and you looked for a hashtag of half marathon times on there that would be in the top five percent three percent out of
3: thought maybe higher Um, it's almost imagine imagine if you uh if you loved like back in the if you're back in the 70s and you loved running but you were shit it must have been the worst time for you because because no you wouldn't even have people there cheering you on you'd just be an embarrassment to your club an embarrassment to everything it must have just been awful and they, especially, is that the uh, the
0: older lot always tell us how we're all soft and we just need to get our head down, knuckle down, and train hard. So I can't imagine they had a huge amount of sympathy for <laughs> people who weren't who weren't running like one ten five Amazing. Did you fancy Barclays then? Barclays? I always call it Barclays. I know it's Barclay Marathons, but um, did it take your fancy? Is it more appealing, less appealing now?
3: I i've never had a desire to run it um but there's some element of curiosity i have about it i i just i find it so difficult to comprehend how
2: mm. what
3: well, the thing is it's just it's just shrouded in mystery i, I don't i just don't know i just it, it's, it's like it's impossible to make a call on it i don't know i don't mm. know without today right. i don't even the even what you find out through the um through watching the documentary, uh, it's just it's not enough to really to to make a call on it. But I suppose it's it's only really been in I've known for a long time that it, it was known as it, but it's only really since the the Netflix documentary you, you saw it like that that it was it's really become something that I've been actively conscious about, like like most people. Um, and it's one of those things you kind of process. But then I think about when I started running, and I used to think, oh God london to brighton 58 miles that's like that's so far i don't think i'm ever going to be able to run that far mm. and thinking that was like a serious thing and then th- you know and also thinking you know about like spartathol thinking like 100 was it got 130 miles or whatever it was mm-hmm. for, for Spartan? that's insane i'm, I'm never ever going to be able to run that kind of distance and so now like you look at those and you're like yeah they're doable they really are doable but spartathol obviously maybe not at the moment with the with the cutoffs because it's strict but this you know you look at this and you're like this is this is like kind of insane but Mm. you know maybe a few more years processing it uh i don't know i part of me wants to try just for the sake for just for the sake of experience um Mm. but then i you know is that is that the right thing to go into it with but then he he does
0: have the marathon now doesn't he's got the is it the 50k option or the the the, the marathon equivalent where it is very similar in terrain and approach except when you get to 20 miles you've got the choice of finishing or doing the extra um however long it is. i can't remember the, the numbers but there is that option now of doing a taster because um, i think actually that's that's the worry is that so many people want to apply and realistically i don't think anyone really knows quite how high the bar is for even doing two laps let's say yeah and, yeah absolutely so, it, it,
3: doesn't, it, it doesn't it doesn't mean yeah you say that what's it called like 15 p- people have finished it in 30 years it's just it's, it's impossible to compute you just mm. you just you have no you have no real indication that's insane but also what i what i'd struggle with and
0: you know someone like gary um is it gary cantrell Sorry, Americans, we don't know your runners as well. I think he's even Canadian, but um, is you really you've got a Gary is
3: Laz, Gary Cantrell's Laz,
0: Gary Cantrell. That's right. Um, no,
3: no, that is Laz.
0: Oh no, what am I on about? Oh you Nick,
3: mean Gary, it, you mean you mean Robbins? Gary Robbins.
0: Gary Robbins. I need. I mean, go, right, Nick. Nick. We're delaying you this. This is <laughs> humiliatingly <laughs> embarrassing of how prepared and unknowledgeable we are. I'm putting it down to old age. <laughs> Gary Robbins.
3: Is it Gary? No. It is Gary Owens, isn't it? Yeah. Right again. You're talking about the guy that came in with 30 seconds to spare and went the wrong way. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: this is the thing I can't get in my head about this race. Um, and you know, Gary Robbins must know this more than anyone else is that the level of preparation you've got to do to go into this is so high. But you're realistically, you, now that the race is more established, no one on the first attempt is going to it's going to finish it and so you're preparing you're, you're you're dedicating that massive block of time for failure and like we we respect we, we speak to james pool in a couple of weeks we've, we've already recorded it, and he's talking about going to do the equivalent of well not the equivalent but what they're seeing as a similar kind of scale um in hong kong a new race that they're doing and he's going there and he's saying he has to believe he can finish it you know he's he's racing to finish it he's training to finish it and you can't go out there there's there's a the equivalent of the uh, like two thirds where you I don't know, you can finish it without doing it in 60 hours and he's going there purely with the intention of doing it within the 60 hours because you need that mentality with barclay you can't do that because no one could, in their right mind could expect to finish it on their first attempt it's so weather dependent and it's just so unknown and so essentially you're training for five six seven eight maybe even a year uh, eight months for failure and that is something that is so hard to motivate yeah yourself.
3: yeah Comm- committing yourself to the first one to be a, a training run essentially for you to yeah. fail on i mean just that is and and it's not it's not <laughs> it's not as even as if you're going to you know doing like uh, like some beautiful like multi day somewhere on a really gorgeous landscapes and stuff so it's going to be a really nice experience each time it's just you have consigned yourself to misery yeah, for and two, th- two or three years if you if you really are that committed and for what ultimately and for what I mean like does does anyone how many people really you know, you know who finished the race who you know uh, it, it, this it, it really has to be something like personal within you that gets at you and i suppose that's why so many people don't come back that you know, there are a lot of people that come back but there's a lot of people that don't there's a lot but of people that
0: but you might not even be you might not be able to come back that's the thing you might dedicate a huge amount of your life to this first attempt that's your training run but you're so your or you have such a bad time or to, for whatever reason you apply you apply you apply and that was your one attempt and you've you've done all of that and you've been
3: a terrific failure which is hard
0: but, I mean, it's, but it seems but it seems if you
3: did that then Laz would let you back in because, i don't know
0: because he can't let everyone back in can he but
3: i think i suppose it depends on how i suppose when you've got that small group of people you can get a very good indication of who, who what this matters to people, mm-hmm. you know, what what matters to who. He has a very clear underca- understanding of all the people that's that's done the race, hasn't he? Um, mm-hmm. And so it's not as if you know you're sort of like lost in the crowd of runners and stuff. I imagine that he's got a very clear indication of how much it meant to you and and, and everything else that goes around it and how much you want it when you're coming back and level of preparation stuff that like you're doing. I wonder if he has a, a pregnancy policy like the uh, UTMB that uh, if you get pregnant. Uh, in between, then uh, it doesn't allow you to defer. You've got to you've got to breastfeed while on the on the trail.
0: I mean, it's the way to get the headlines at the moment, isn't it? Uh, but actually, you know, he has been saying he, it's, it's good that he's clarified his views on on um, why previously it's been misconstrued as no one can finish as a as almost as a sexist comment, where it's not at all. It's just it's purely based on the limits of um of physical capabilities i guess but because of the like the v your VO 2 max is massively trainable and increases dramatically after you've been pregnant you've got like an eight to 12 month, maybe even a little bit longer window whereas you look at people like paula Radcliffe when they've come back from pregnancy same with serena williams they absolutely smash it and so it
3: could actually be that is that is that an unfair advantage are we uh, are we now using babies as epo pretty much
0: yeah I mean, <laughs> that might be a genuine strategy for look I've, I'm not quite there speed wise or quite there with my fitness um, so bang out a baby straight back in there I mean the good thing is from the time you finish you've got a year so you can if you're if you really quick that night straight to bed baby nine months later three months in boom straight back out the <laughs> We, could, we
3: could, I'll do the trading plan for you. <laughs> amazing, amazing. But no, that was it. Was such that was such a good. I really enjoyed that. It was incredible. I just, uh, it was so open and uh, I, do, I think we generally drilled down into a lot of detail there that I've not I've not hmm. heard or read about before.
0: Yeah, and and actually, the it's a shame to a certain extent that the Barclays got such a a focus in the media attention because we didn't even talk about one of his other races where depending on your age is how many hours you get to run and yeah. it's been won by um people in their 70s and he's got so many fun ideas and he's done them for years some of them like the vol state um i mean that in itself just sounds amazing an entire race where everywhere you go the locals seem to know about it um, but it's
3: purely solo race for it's just it is is. I just absolutely love his thinking. It's about he or he just considers how do we level this race? How do we make this a level playing field, no matter what your age or ability or anything else like that? And you see that like in so many of the of the things that he does. How do I take away all the advantage of you being a fast runner and make this about determination or, or some other aspect of of, uh, of of your of your personality and of your of your character?
0: And actually, It'd be so easy for it to be gimmicky, but I don't think it is. I think it's just genuine and actually, instead of being how we'd now cynically view marketing, this is just a, a different angle to try and get attention. This is you know, these are true tests that you know are so extreme. Where in your seventies, you get seventy hours to race. I mean, is that a good thing? <laughs> Are you thankful for that? <laughs> where else can you get a race with a 70-year-old can spank it and yeah. you know, really just rightly win outright because, yeah, there are people in their 70s who are far better athletes than we are. It's just that they're older. And so it is interesting to see, you know, who genuinely is the best runner of all generations.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's great. But... um
0: yeah should we should we leave it there if we if you if you've listened to this podcast for the first time well firstly thank you um there's quite a few episodes we've already mentioned when we're talking to to lads that were linked to some of the things he's done so we mentioned them on the end of the last podcast but in case you want one now that you've uh you need a new potty, really good ones Rhonda marie she did the the vol state she only has eight percent vision and did it um, with no one to, to lead her. She did the whole thing practically blind, ran into coyotes, had some horrific stories. Amazing episode there. We um, we spoke to John Kelly about his, he's the last person to finish Barclays. We spoke to him a few weeks after coming out. He talked to us about his training, what it was like. Um, and he was a local, his parents are from that region, but he went back, his third attempt is the one where he finally finished, same year as um, that, Controversial Gary Robbins finish. Um, any others, JD? You'd recommend, or you'd that would be good to listen to as a follow up to this one.
3: Well, both the Ronda Marie ones are good because Ronda Marie did yeah did the Volstate one, and she did the um, uh, yeah didn't quite complete the, uh, the lap of um, Barclays. Um, if you are interested in, I mean, the, you know, we mentioned Camille um, on the podcast as well, so uh, both of the, the Camille Heron. Episodes are worth listening to if you uh, prefer your races a little bit uh, speedier. Um, as uh, We've got the Courtney uh, DeWalter um, uh, episode as well, which is uh, oh, another yeah. good one to listen to. And of course, and of course uh, uh, yeah, Dean Kenazza's, uh interview with him running the um, uh, Spartathlon.
0: But if you want to take it, if you're looking more for some advice that's actually useful for someone who's not necessarily as quick, we've also got an episode where JD does talks about doing 100 miler. And uh, goes into all sorts of strops
3: about having a terrible time. (laughs) Yeah, there's a couple about 100 miles. It depends. I might It, depending on which uh, episode you uh, listen to about my hundred milers one of them is like absolute delight at doing a hundred miler the other one is like pure pure misery it depends which one which one you listen to is as to, as to whether i, I like hundred milers or not actually uh, it's probably quite useful to listen to both
0: just before you decide whether you actually want to do one because they're not for everyone, and they're not necessarily good for everyone either, so uh, there's no need to rush into them. If you really want to get big, though, we've had um, Lori Morgan, a fantastic guest, really in the early days of the podcast. She's done quite a few Monster Ultras, but the big one she did was, is it 3366 Ultra? 6633. 6633, there you go. Through,
3: I don't know, now um, you say it, I don't, is it 6336? Six six three three. I can't remember what it is now. I'm doubting yeah, I, myself. I can't even six, remember three, why three, those numbers three, three, are relevant six, to six, the race. Six three three. Six. I can't remember what it is now. But it's Damn self-supported it. through the
0: through the Arctic, like really epic scale. Where um, I think she won it. Um, I was the only one to finish. In fact, that the year she did it, it was that tough. So um, if you really want your teeth into the the long stuff, you've got those ones. If you want something a bit shorter, then have a nice listen to Dale Clutterbuck is the European BMR world champion talking about doing shorter sprints and things like that, or Andrew still talking about Olympic 400 meter running. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Please do subscribe, tell your friends, all that good stuff. And, um, if you would be generous enough to offer a, a review on iTunes, it does make, make a huge difference to uh, getting a scene by people who aren't necessarily runners and, and getting involved in, in the bad boy community.
3: Yeah, so if you want to join the Facebook group, pop along to Facebook, type in Bad Boy Running Podcast and join the group. Um, Please be aware that the humour in there is dark really it dark. Is, it is it's it like, is, it's like it's, it's very british dark. and very dark it's, like, it's as fifth dark as my soul
0: <laughs> indeed indeed but um thank you so much for listening we'll be back next week i believe with a interview with ali bailey our own ali bailey um co-host who has done three of the most ridiculously epic adventures over the last four months she's uh, come to actually give us the full detail on um, on what happened in Panama and uh, Namibia. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you then.
3: See you Mum. Bye-bye, 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 bye-bye,
0: Baby, bye. bye-bye, 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 bye-bye. Fuck you, buddy.